Hey everybody, this is Corey, just wanting to check in before the episode starts. Um, you may notice here that I am sounding perfectly normal and there is nothing wrong with me, as usual, and wanted to let everybody know that unfortunately, for the rest of the episode, I am going to sound like I recorded into a jar underwater, because due to a bit of a technical mix-up, I did not actually have my microphone set as my input, and it got my built-in laptop microphone instead. So just keep in mind that it's not going to sound perfect, but Liam sounds great, nothing wrong there. And uh, we have a really great episode for you here. I think it's one of the best we've ever done. So you'll have to get a little bit used to some new sounds, but other than that, we think you'll really enjoy it. And without further ado, on with the show. And welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And I hope you brought your life preservers this week because we're going to be hitting the high seas and talking about a shark movie, but not just any shark movie. We're going to be talking about Jaws the Revenge, which is a 1987 film directed by Joseph Sargent written by Michael de Guzman based on the novel of the same of no 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 sorry ignore that it's not based on that a novel that would be awesome it was based on the novel the novelization jaws the revenge that would be sick dude have you heard about the novelization of jaws the revenge of jaws the revenge or of jaws yes no of jaws the revenge no wait maybe wait can i take a guess and if it's if i'm right then i've heard about it is that fair Sure. Is there a wizard? Oh, dude. You <laughs> know more about it than I do. Oh, wait, what? No, no, no. Tell me, tell me about... Okay. Um, tell me about Jaws the Revenge, please. I'm going to look this up. Well, <laughs> okay, so I was, I was reading through the trivia page on IMDb of Jaws the Revenge, and I saw on a couple instances that there were scenes that were either shot or outlined that weren't included in the final cut but they are in the novelization and like there's subplots that are explored in detail in the novelization that aren't in the film. And then after I saw the movie, I decided to check out my letterbox and see what my friends thought about it and see if I had friends who had seen this and stuff. And at least two of them said the movie isn't that great, but the novelization kicks ass. So apparently uh, that's the way to go if you want to experience this movie without you know listening to us uh, talking about it for an hour you can just jump right to the novelization and maybe you'll have a good time okay so per the jaws wiki which is a thing that exists i oh, guess like the, the fandom wiki yes like it's not wikipedia it's like the wiki. correct the fan wiki yeah uh quote the novelization suggests that the shark may be acting under the influence of a vengeful voodoo witch doctor who has a feud with the brody family and the shark's apparent revenge has magical implications. Therefore, the witch doctor is the, quote, revenge, and the shark is his tool. This also explains the strange psychic connection Ellen and the shark have with each other. The plot was deleted as it strayed too far from the plot of the killer shark. I don't know how it strays too far if it's literally... Okay. Um, however, at one point in the theatrical version, Michael Brody says, quote, Come on, sharks don't commit murder. Tell me you don't believe in that voodoo. That is just so much to unpack, Liam. Shit. And yeah, so I'm gonna early have to in the show. 
I'm going to have to reevaluate and rewrite everything I was going to say about the movie with that in mind. I'm I not really one no, I'm not one for a headcanon, but uh I might be buy into this headcanon and it might change everything. Well, it's I not headcanon, it's in the book. It's canon canon. This is the definition of canon. Well, no, cuz the movie doesn't outline it clearly. Yeah, but I mean like that's like saying uh the Star Wars expanded universe wouldn't count cuz the books aren't in the movies. That's actually that's exactly what I was thinking. It's all canon all the I was way down. Thinking of it, but I was thinking of it from my point that the Star Wars books don't matter when you're watching the movies. <laughs> Dude, this is the duality of I man we're on di- display. We're different. We're different Star Wars fans. <laughs> we really are. Um, and we're different Jaws fans, I guess, uh, because now I'm the biggest fan of Jaws: The Revenge that could possibly exist. I can't. I, I never said I wasn't. I'm with you. Okay, is this is the earliest in an episode we've had just an absolute bombshell, and I don't even know what to do with it. I wasn't even done introducing the movie, and now there's just so many more things to consider. I don't know what to do. That's um, how life do sometimes, man. It just that, throws you curveballs. I really do be like that sometimes. Well, you know, I may not know a lot about voodoo witch doctors controlling sharks or Ellen Brody's, like, spider senses, but I do know that um, starring in this movie is uh, Lorraine Gray, Lance Guest, Mario Van Peebles, Karen Young, Michael Caine, or Michael Caine, if we want to get fun, Judith Barcy, Mitchell Anderson, and some archive footage of Roy Scheider. So um, we're going to come back to the witch doctor thing, obviously. This entire conversation could theoretically be about the implications of the witch doctor thing. Mostly, I think, because I don't understand how when you take the plot of the other three Jaws movies, why the witch doctor would resent the family. And I really can't figure that one out. Do you have anything on that? Well, no, because uh, I haven't, I don't know anything about the other three Jaws movies. So as far as I know, Jaws is about a voodoo shark from the beginning. Well, I mean, I don't know a ton about them. I was doing some research because uh, we're professionals and um, didn't read anything about witch doctors. That's for sure. I, I initially said wizard because I like vaguely remembered a tweet that said something about like a Jaws wizard, but I'd have to try to look that up. So, wow, I've never truly been derailed this hard at the beginning of a conversation with another human being. Um, but before I talked about Jaws, I did want to talk, Liam, a little bit about um, like the beach and like water and swimming. Is that something you're, you're into? Are you a big, do you like pools? natural bodies of water you know wait i don't know i don't know which component to answer so you're asking me about beaches do you like water swimming in general beaches, water, natural pools, bodies and pool chlorine what do you think all right i like water i love drinking it i drink a lot of it um i liked pools as a child i frequent in the frequented them less after i got self-conscious about my body Same. i like <laughs> i like beaches i like hanging out on them but again i stopped going to them so much once i hit my teenage years and um i mean i like i like uh tropical type stuff i really want to do a visit to like Hawaii in my lifetime i just went to disney world for the first time and uh i got to hang around in like some sunny weather you know again we live in canada so not super sunny this time of year and you know fortunately Corey, i'm getting more comfortable with my body i'll tell you what hell so, yeah dude uh, this is a body positive so this is, podcast this is, yeah so this is a good time for me to watch jaws and not just be like yo i i wish i could hang out in those bahamas it's not my pockets that are stopping me it's my 
sense of shame. You know, I don't feel that way anymore. Now it's just my pockets that are stopping me. You know who like, doesn't have bodily shame either? Who? Jaws. This shark should have body shame. This shark does not look great, and we will dissect that later on because it's got like weird beady cartoon eyes, and it looks like it's made of felt or like paper mache. Yeah, this this keeps happening, man. It's very much like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three effect, you know? Like yeah, they got three movies in, and they're like, yeah, we can just stop giving a shit. Well, I know like Jaws three was Jaws three D, so like I wonder if they downgraded. Like, the technical fidelity of the effect for the visual of, like, the 3D. And then forgot that they weren't doing 3D anymore and just stopped giving a shit. Who knows? That would be interesting. Yeah, like, it's the same <laughs> shark from Jaws 3D, but now since it isn't 3D, you can just see it better. Yeah. That's funny. Because there are shots that are just, like, you know, they're really they're not covering it up. Broad daylight, here's the shark. And um, it, you can really tell that it's, like, two-thirds of a shark body that <laughs> they're, like thrusting forward on like a piston maybe that's not the word i want at all never mind um well you know i'm glad that you don't have as many uh, body image issues as you did before and i uh, i hope the shark's not feeling too bad either although we are gonna rag on the shark a little bit we're not gonna rag on you though i think you look great thanks <laughs> yeah like i said body positive podcast everybody um that's true well while you weren't spending time wanting to go to a beach and not going uh did you spend any time watching jaws movies uh after your childhood innocence was like taken away and you had to be (laughs) self-conscious no man i haven't seen any jaws movies and i know about as much about them as like probably just the average person who hasn't seen a jaws movie in that like i know it came out in the 70s and made people afraid of water i know steven spielberg directed it i know they blow up the shark at the end and i know that they say they need a bigger boat but beyond that like it doesn't actually exist right it doesn't actually exist as like a full movie in my head the same way that et and like jurassic park did and it just exists as these moments and so um i've been meaning to watch it for the last uh year or two like once i got to the point where i realized oh hey this is like actually a movie that i can watch and probably enjoy i've been meaning to get to and I, ju- I just haven't done it. So, um, no, this was my first experience with Jaws movies, you know? What I guess, about you? I guess the only thing that we would have as, like, a shared Jaws experience... You were in the class where Brett read the opening of Jaws, right? To teach us about perspective in writing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett was our uh, professor. Oh, yeah, I could for... just... Yeah, you know, shout out to Brett. <laughs> yeah. He uh, read us an excerpt from the beginning of the novel. The, not the novelization, just the original book. Yeah. what if he had whipped out an excerpt from the novelization of jaws, jaws the, the revenge. revenge like he read it as a kid and it hit him and he bookmarked it like when i'm a professor i need to bring this in the two things you have to read in his class are death of a racehorse and jaws the revenge <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um well hi as- brett hi brett hope you're listening I imagine at this point we've got to send it to him. So we yeah, might as well send we it. have to. Um, okay, that's really good. Hell, he can, Brett. You can be our first email. You can send us an email if you want. <laughs> you're welcome on the show as well. If you're actually a Jaws: The Revenge fan, we will uh, do a, a, a Redux episode. We'll do Jaws: The Revenge revisit. We'll do Jaws: The Revenge: The Revenge. 
yeah but yes i do remember him reading that excerpt from the from the jaws novel and uh it was cool i mean it's definitely it makes sharks seem scary i can understand why they made that first movie it definitely makes sharks seem scary and aside from that excerpt i pretty much also just have like the cultural osmosis version of jaws in my mind rather than having seen jaws um i know a lot of the iconic shots and sequences they did in fact need a larger boat i know that for sure but it's never something i've sat down to watch and like fully appreciate i think as we've gone on i've realized that in a lot of ways this podcast has been us pointing out uh that we haven't seen steven spielberg movies or we didn't see them when we were supposed to see them and saw them later in life i feel like that's happened a lot and it just sort of continues happening and that's a weird anomaly for me what does that say about us yeah it is it is kind of strange isn't it i wonder if it's like a generational thing like if we were just born on this cusp where we were like a bit too old for our parents to show us all these spielberg movies as kids and we were also born late enough that once we could watch movies we kind of had so many movies like at our fingertips on these screens and stuff that we just watched other stuff maybe does our generation have like a spielberg Hmm. I don't think so. Nobody comes to mind anyway. And if we're overlooking somebody, you know, send us an angry email. <laughs> I, I just noticed that trend where like, I don't know if it's a generational gap thing because they're kind of movies that feel like they speak for themselves or they kind of like, they have like a timelessness quality that would make them appropriate to show people pretty much whenever. So I don't really know what the deal with that is. I'd be curious to try to like figure that out, but maybe now oh. is not the operative moment because we do have to talk about Jaws the Revenge eventually. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go right into it. And for anybody wondering at home, I'm sure there's a lot of you. I, too, also stopped going to pools and beaches and have body image issues. So, you know, we're working on it. Safe space. You guys can email us about that, too. Please. We would be happy to help anybody who's uh, not been to a beach in a while. Um, Liam, I got to level with you, okay? Yeah. I was so excited to watch this movie. Sure. Yeah. 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 Were you excited? I was. I was. I was more excited than uh, the last couple movies we've done that are just like installments in a franchise. Like I was more excited for this one than Jurassic Park three or or Pet Cemetery two because this one has a bit of a reputation, doesn't it? Yeah. It it does. And um, I wasn't super familiar with that reputation, but what I was familiar with is um, the plot synopsis. And I want to draw everybody's attention really quick to the plot synopsis that happens when you Google the movie, which says the island community of Amity is terrorized by shark attacks when a vengeful shark returns to avenge the death of her progeny. That is not what this movie's about. It just isn't. Like, there's a revenge factor, totally. They don't make the shark relationship clear. It might not even be related because there might be a witch doctor involved. It's also mostly not in Amity. So I don't know who wrote that, but it's like viciously incorrect. But the plot synopsis that is correct is incredible, which is that I'm going to use the Wikipedia thing because it's pretty perfect. It's a one-liner that really crushes. The film focuses on a now-widowed Ellen Brody and her conviction that a great white shark is seeking revenge on her family, particularly when it kills her son and follows her to the Bahamas. So just to be clear... um. This is about a shark that theoretically followed a family thousands of miles into a climate it's not supposed to live in specifically to try to kill them. And if that's not the greatest 
idea for a movie I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what would be. Yeah, it follows, man. It follows you all the way to the tropics. I think that's also um, a franchise sequel trope is that you just change the setting like drastically. And so, you know, we've seen now that like sharks have like gone to Antarctica and, and space and stuff. But um, <laughs> And tornadoes and tornadoes but but back then we were still a bit more grounded but we but we still need to do something exciting it's kind of like how the working sequel for beetlejuice for like the last three decades has been beetlejuice goes hawaiian like going tropical is just it's like an exciting prospect that opens up all sorts of doors and so i guess that's what they were didn't doing national there. lampoon do that too they um, did yeah they did they did uh well, I guess National Lampoon's the whole point is that like Tropical Randy Quaid is what they did. Different, but you're right. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> Vacation Two, Randy goes tropical. Tropical which, uh, Randy, which sounds like a euphemism for something I don't want to get into. Exactly. Yeah, I never got into that one. I I love Christmas Vacation, but that that plan to spice things up kind of backfired because I heard that it was Randy Quaid in the tropics, and I uh, getting I backed Randy. Down there. Yeah, yeah. Well. Okay. So. Based on that plot synopsis, I had talked to our friend Mitch, who everybody will know from uh, last week's discussion, and he had seen this movie. And he, in uh, simple terms, basically told me that I was in for like an absolute catastrophe of a film, which, uh, to be honest, I was pretty excited about because when I picture a catastrophe of a film and this plot synopsis, I really don't know how you fuck that up. To give it a little bit more specificity, we have Ellen Brody who is the widow now of Roy Scheider's character from the original Jaws. And that family has, uh, over the couple movies, had to continually fight off sharks in various circumstances. Um, not just in Amity, but I know in Jaws 3D, it's a shark that gets, like, trapped in SeaWorld, which you'd think would have the shark contained. I don't know how the shark goes from, like, place to place in that movie hey, to man, kill people. Finding Nemo 2 did it. It did. I, well, I haven't seen Finding Nemo 2. I, I just sort of agreed with you. But um, anyway, so you trusted that I'm not lying to you. I, I, appreciate I, I think it. we've built trust over the years. But um, so Alan Brody has um, a son named Sean who, uh, like his dad, is a cop now in the town of Amity. And it's Christmas. This is a fucking Christmas movie, which is yeah, amazing to me. Christmas Vacation too. Really Dude, this is tropical this Christmas, except Randy Quaid is a shark. Yeah. that's what we got and um he gets like called out while there is um like a christmas pageant being practiced outside uh to clear something from a buoy and a shark just viciously murders him and uh, as we learn later it's the very same shark that we will see in the bahamas fast forward to um the arrival of her other son michael brody his artist wife carla and their daughter thea and um, they want to get her away from these dour circumstances and decide that, um, you know, they work in the Bahamas. He's like some sort of fish scientist who's working towards a PhD. And um, they take a trip to the Bahamas and we meet Jake, played by Mario Van Peebles, who is his like scientist partner. And um, we meet Michael Caine, who is a guy named Hoagie, who uh, the novel implies launders money and is like a pilot. And, um, you know, we just started getting into all, all sorts of hijinks. It, it implies that he launders money. It doesn't apply that he's a pilot. That one is confirmed. <laughs> no, he's definitely a pilot who uh, delivers laundry, which is, a, you know, laundering money. But um, all of that to say is there's so much potential here. So 
when you picture the fourth installment of Jaws as a franchise, you have to picture that they've jumped the shark already, right? Like, you have to yeah, picture I mean, the that they've lost the plot. Jaws 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, And um, you have to picture combining that with the notion of a killer shark that follows a specific family thousands of miles, specifically in an attempt to kill them, while they grieve in a tropical location, and the widowed wife of the man who killed the original shark has shark-sensing abilities, that's gotta be a fun movie, right? What if the shark is actually a metaphor? For grief? Or STDs. Oh. <laughs> that's, I, I wasn't sure what we were doing here, but, you know, It Follows really does owe a lot to Jaws the Revenge, I think. It Follows to It Goes Tropical. It is tropical now. Okay, I've been putting it off long enough. Normally, I ask you what you thought of the movie first. Liam, I'm going to cut to the chase. As I think I said I was going to do 10 minutes ago. This is, and I don't say this lightly, potentially the most disappointed I've ever been on this show. Okay. Ever. Wow. I was angry. I was upset. And about 45 minutes in, I completely stopped caring or paying attention. Did you... Did you did you watch the right? Did you go see Cats again? Did you mess up? This was this is the movie with the shark, right? You saw this, the shark, Liam. Yeah. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I sat down to watch a goofy shark killer movie, and I started reading the news on my phone because I was bored, and I never want to read the news. Yeah, that is that's strange. Um, I could not believe how agonizing this experience was how boring this experience was how long this movie felt before once the credits start rolling it's 85 minutes it felt like how long the irishman is supposed to feel but the irishman goes by because it's a good movie and it maybe doesn't have as many sharks but it's a good movie marty gave it his chance he made it happen liam i'm gonna throw it over to you because I, it sounds like you disagree potentially drastically with my assessment, but this was one of the most, like, vicious letdowns I can think of in in the history of the show. Shit. Well, I'm surprised just because um, of our history with, like, other movies on this show. Like, I know what we've We've watched some terrible movies. Blair Witch 2 and Cats and... Uh, Here's the thing, uh, though. Those movies can't be... Well, okay, Blair Witch 2 can be a disappointment, and it absolutely was, but it was fun, right? In Cats, I knew what I was getting into, and I had fun. This is not fun. (laughs) This is not a fun movie. This is a miserable movie. (laughs) Well, uh, honestly, dude, I think Cats really messed up. Um, or at least permanently altered our, our dynamic on this show because I have been like burned so badly. Now, you know, you like give me bread and water and I'm happy. Like I've just <laughs> it rewired like my, how your brain works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not quite there with you just because I've been hurt so much before, but I, I have n- no way to defend this movie and I, I'm all also not supporting this movie i didn't have the experience that i thought i would have either you know i know there's like 20 minute reviews for this on youtube and 
I know it's just it's uh, often just regarded as like certainly one of the worst sequels, if not one of the worst movies of all time. And I thought that would make it very entertaining. And I was surprised to find that this movie was actually um, it was completely lackluster, but not in a very remarkable way. I didn't think the bad stuff was all that laughable. I just thought it was. Um, yeah, I think disappointing. Is I a don't good even word. know it if just... it's particularly bad. Like, it's not good, but it's not so bad that you can, like, point at it and laugh, right? Like, it's a perfectly competent. Yeah, yeah. I think it feels like a movie that's, like, made by robot, and that means that it's not that crazy. Like, The Room, and, you know, I, I hate to just keep bringing this up as, like, a bad movie, but it's just, it's such an easy line in the sand to draw. The Room was obviously made by a person who was like trying to achieve something and when filtered through his brain it turned out very wacky this feels very like calculated and automated and it hits all the beats of a regular movie and it hits them just fine but there's just no spice or flavor it tries to have like interpersonal drama and themes and honestly at moments to meaningfully grapple with grief and the movie is called jaws the revenge It's like they didn't know what they were making. I think, especially by 1987, I think you have to look at this concept for a movie and recognize it for what it is. Which is like, this should have been the Jaws equivalent of Jason Voorhees smashing a sleeping bag with a person in it into a tree. Like, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, We needed this to be. I wanted the shark to drive a car. Like, I wanted them to just not give a shit. You know, and like really just go off those. I didn't actually want the shark to drive a car. I would take it if that's what they provided me. But it's it feels so profoundly disconnected to what your expectations would be. And I think it's it's sad because it's that way because it's trying to be a quote unquote actual movie without considering the fact that it is Jaws the Revenge. You know, there's nothing to be done. We're here for the shark, you know? We're not here for fucking tea time with a five-year-old, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we get too much of that. This movie, actually, um, it it made me wish that I was watching something uh, that I don't normally want to watch. Like, these Sharknado movies, you know, where sharks are in yeah. tornadoes or they're, like, in avalanches. Have you seen that? Sorry, have you seen that? I have my my nephew put it on and had me watch it with him. You know, it's it's not the kind of movie that I read about it like being crazy and bad, and so I want to seek it out. So it's not really my thing. Yeah. But I have seen it, and having seen it, I would rather be watching that sort of movie that I'm actually not that into, like just the style of it, just being outlandish and crazy and and jokingly bad. I don't really like movies like that, but I actually wish that I was watching this sort of thing because. This movie, it just, it feels like it, it, it came at a really weird time where it's like, it's trying to be serious, but it doesn't have the capabilities to be serious. Like it was thrown together so quickly and like it just needed to make a buck. And so there's nothing there that makes it a good movie, but there's also not a whole lot there that makes it a fun, bad movie. So if we had things like a shark driving a car or like some CG that makes the shark able to do like some really crazy thing the shark would just... look like that back to the future bit and put the shark in a video game why yeah, not yeah it, like it needs just do like anything 
And so it seeing this like actually kind of um, makes me understand film history a bit more that the Jaws franchise got to the point where it was just like so milk toast. I can understand how maybe like people who saw this movie when they were kids in 1987, they grew up and 20 years later, they were like, okay, we need to give people the kind of thing we wanted Jaws the Revenge to be. Let's put out right. Mega Shark okay, versus yeah. Giant Octopus. Well, because it feels like a movie that um, I feel like maybe I'm projecting back a little bit, like my modern sensibility here, but it feels like it's a movie that lacks self-awareness. But you're making a really good point, which is that despite Jaws 3D sounding ridiculous, the first two movies are really well-regarded, serious movies for all intents and purposes. So maybe I'm being unfair because at the time, Jaws was not considered schlocky horror jump the shark dumb shit yet. So why would they have tried to do that? Maybe Jaws was considered like a prestige thing. But it had also been 12 years. So like there had to be an awareness in the wake of the slasher boom what the power of Jaws as a figure was which was a slasher villain in the water. And they don't lean into that at all. And I think that's what audiences probably would have wanted. It's certainly what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also a really great point because it's it's so far removed from like the time Jaws came out. It's, it's removed from, um, you know, that main actor that people were really into. It's removed from Spielberg. It's removed from a lot of these things that make a serious shark movie able to work. And so it's just really presumptuous to think that you can make a fourth Jaws movie that does the same thing as the first one. So when that's the case and that's like so clearly going to be difficult to do you know like lightning doesn't strike twice you might as well go all the way and make it crazy but the lack of self-awareness means that they just thought they could do something like jaws again and people would still be here for it you know yeah and you know like you had said one of the things that makes jaws work even in the pieces i've seen of jaws is the cast everybody's on the top of their game pretty much in jaws like top to bottom this feels like like nobody gave a shit and like everybody was kind of showing up for a paycheck. I feel like I can picture these actors, I mean, especially, you know, like Michael Caine, who I've seen in a lot of other movies, um, do better work somewhere else. But this is very, it's not especially bad. It's just very middle of the road, not interesting, not really trying. Totally, yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone is good in this movie. Um, but I didn't it's not actually... so bad. It's fun. It's yeah, just yeah, like, well, we're here. I think, um, in fact, one of the best in the movie until they use her too much and it becomes irritating is probably Judith Barcy, who's playing Thea, who's like five, is great until there's way too much of her in the movie and then it gets really irritating. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. You know, um, I wonder if you have to have seen and really loved Jaws in order to make this the fun romp that people are making it out to be. I haven't looked too deeply no way. into like those 20-minute videos that, that talk this movie up, so I don't know what they're citing. But just like in terms of talking points, I don't feel like there's a lot because like the shark doesn't drive a car here. Like there's not... The shark shows up like, what, four times? about that two yeah, of yeah. which are prolonged one of one of which is at the beginning one of which is at the end 
I think people are maybe gassing it up on the merits of its concept rather than its execution. Because in a movie that's 85 minutes, there's just so much downtime where, like, things are happening ostensibly to develop character, but it doesn't feel like the plot is moving, and it doesn't feel like things are happening. It feels a lot like people are working through, like, their emotions, which in a more serious dramatic production I think is warranted. But here it's just like, can we get to the part with the fucking shark? Yeah, it's it's frustrating how much this movie seems to rely on the legacy and the work of the other Jaws movies. You know, I was I was thinking that this would very much be like a fourth movie in a slasher franchise where I just go in, I don't need to know any of the characters, I just need to know that the shark uh, is going to kill them but but then i come in and it's actually like uh a piece that is that is based on family history that was that had begun 12 years ago in the original jaws movie but then that stuff isn't actually explored all that deeply and it also feels um really forced and peripheral because we don't have the talent from that first movie and so it feels kind of uh, offensive that they're trying to carry on this story while also not having the pieces that told that story the first time around. Yeah, and that's when you sort of get into like the sepia tone flashbacks and like oh, these yeah. weird bits of connective tissue that serve to make a really ham-fisted parallel. Um, because by the end of the movie, they've got ostensibly a bomb in the body of the shark and ellen takes it upon herself to drive the boat into the shark and it gets speared with the bow of the ship which makes the bomb explode which is intercut with roy scheider shooting the shark in the original movie it is also intercut with sepia tone flashbacks from earlier in the movie <laughs> which is really weird because we're not going to forget like, they flash back to when Thea is on that banana boat and um, the shark shows up. That had been, like, what, seven or eight minutes previous? <laughs> like, I don't know why. They're like, oh, do you remember this thing that just happened? And, uh, you know, a lot of this can come down to, like, the script is so weird. Partially in concept, obviously, but just about where it chooses to spend its time. So, like, we know pretty early on that Ellen is convinced that they're being followed by the shark. And um, Michael is trying to continue doing his work in the ocean, and she's like, no, I don't want any of you guys working in the ocean anymore because it's dangerous in there. And he's like, well, there's no sharks. Fast forward, the shark shows up and attacks him. And they're like, oh, shit, the shark is here. But in that moment, she's kind of got a bit of a new lease on life and is ready to, like, maybe go fucking hook up with with michael Caine and really just have a good time and um he's like now nah, there's a shark here but we can't tell anybody and jake wants to track the shark but in between all of that is like ellen and hoagie go on a date ellen and michael argue about a report that he has to write that she wants to talk instead there's a lot of time spent tagging like conch shells for their like scientific work there is a sex scene involving a welding torch loosely that makes it sound way grosser than it is it's not that weird um i didn't mean to make it sound like it was getting all fucking hellraiser on us it's not but um you know it's just 
I say that just to illustrate that it's spending its time in all these other places with these characters, but it's all like adjacent to the thing you expect to be happening and not the thing you expect to be happening. And it's all presented in a very like, this is how you shoot a movie kind of way. Like there's nothing remarkable in terms of like the way it's shot or the way it's edited or anything. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of similar to cat people in a way for me, but but you know, like less Rude. good because because um, for those who didn't listen or haven't seen Cat People, I talked last week about how I thought Cat People was going to be more about the cat people and like was going to be more of a schlocky. Oh, you know movie. what? That's a really good comparison. Now that I see where you're going, sorry. <laughs> But um, in between the cat stuff, which is really cool, you know, the highs in cat people are higher than the shark highs we get in this movie. But in between, there's just like characters hanging out and talking about this, that or the other thing and going on dates and just kind of bopping around like their location. Oh, my God. This is bad cat people is a zoo. Yeah. And so this is just (laughs) this is like bad cat people. So me, I wasn't that high on cat people because of that in between stuff. But it's still the highs were high enough that I got to like those. And also the lows, the in between stuff were still done by a filmmaker who seemed like he had a handle on things. And so it wasn't as boring. It has a sense of style. Yeah, but but this one, it's just you know, uh, it's 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 cat people, but but then we're gonna lower that stuff by a few rungs because there there's just no handle on anything at all. It feels very mechanical. Well, and I think Mitch and I like cat people so much in part because that interstitial, I guess I'll say, stuff works for us, like the non-cat people stuff. Whereas this just makes it such a difficult thing to watch. I think because it's very slow and there's a lot of just people talking and not a lot of things happening. Like one person may be on the, the, the deck of a boat <laughs> and one person might be underwater, but they're still just talking. Like there's just a lot of talking and um, it doesn't feel conducive to anything because like we said, it develops characters that don't really have anything to them without moving the plot anywhere because the plot is just, what's up with the shark and we already know what's up with the shark so like let's just get to the point and that's not a good sign in a movie that's 85 minutes long you also want the shark to be like powerful or impactful when it arrives and like we said earlier it looks like the version of the shark they would use at a universal studios ride like 20 years ago yes yeah it it does not look great (laughs) it really really does not um especially because the shark in the original Jaws, it looks really, really good. So, like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if that one was in storage. But um, it's just not good. And there's not enough of it. And when it shows up, it's just like, okay, the shark's here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. From what I've heard, you know, the shark in Jaws is such a moment. And you're not going to get that here. And so, really, the only way you can go is to be outlandish and make the shark super crazy and wild like make it like megalodon size or make it a voodoo shark or make it drive a car or something or Or at least least tell us it's a voodoo shark like yeah or shoot these action sequences in like interesting cool ways because there have been shark movies that are very grounded nowadays you just because jaws was made you don't need to make a shark drive a car um you just need to make 
a shark like threatening you know if that's what you're going for and this shark is not threatening because we see so much of it um when we do see it you know like Corey said it's only about four times because there's a lot of human stuff but when we do see the shark in the scenes where shark stuff is happening you know he's fully in the camera he or she is fully in the camera for a long time and there's just there's no tension at all and um it's a real shame because when your human stuff is boring and your shark stuff in a movie called Jaws the Revenge is boring, then what do you have going for you? That's what I can't get over is that this movie, you see it in the title card, and it's a goofy, campy, melodramatic looking title card. And it says in blood red letters, Jaws the Revenge. How do you get a script that is called Jaws the Revenge and go, I'm going to play this perfectly straight? And I want to make this about the people, right? Like, how the fuck do you do that? I just don't understand how this is the movie that got made. And I think more than a, it being a quality issue, that's what gets me about my disappointment is because I had such high expectations for the concept in terms of what I assumed a movie called Jaws the Revenge would look like, that it was such a profound letdown that I, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Never mind the fact that it's just like slow and hard like hard to sit through yeah yeah and i wonder when this movie came out like what the reaction was because i'm thinking i'm trying to get in joseph Sargent's mind here and i'm thinking okay we if we play it straight that's more of like a regular movie that people go to see so maybe if people see this in the movie <laughs> theater they'll be like hey that's that's like I, don't, I saw jaws like 12 years ago i think this was kind of like that like this is okay and maybe it's just a very short-term strategy but then when you have people coming back to this like decades later and they've seen jaws a bunch and they've seen a bunch of other movies you know slasher movies or other shark movies it just this movie isn't as uh like sustainable as as it ought to be the, the rewatchability isn't there for me and uh unfortunately like the watchability isn't there either just seeing this one time through you know i'm not uh, someone who's just impressed by a regular movie anymore you know i kind of need something a bit spicier and this doesn't do it yeah so you asked about how this movie was received uh the answer is poorly roger ebert for example, gave it a zero out of four, saying, quote, it is not simply a bad movie, but also a stupid and incompetent one, including that Ellen is, quote, haunted by flashbacks to events where she was not present, <laughs> which is wild. And um, it's kind of really bizarre. I also read on this Wikipedia page that Lorraine Gray, who plays Ellen and played Ellen in the first two movies, said of Jaws the Revenge, quote, it is also about relationships, which makes it much more like the first Jaws. So they oh, knew so what they were go. doing. Yeah. That was the plan. It's just not good. Michael Caine had mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard uh, That's it. very funny. Why don't you read that out in case people don't know? Uh, quote, it is part of movie history. The original was one of the great all-time thrillers. I thought it might be nice to be mixed up with that. I liked the script very much. However, Kane later claimed, I have never seen the film, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it is terrific. So, in terms of people being here for a fucking up, paycheck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also read that he, he didn't actually read the script. He just read the first page, and it said, opens Hawaii, and he wanted to go to, like, Hawaii. Or Bahamas, but yeah. 
The best thing on this Wikipedia page is uh, the cover art for the original soundtrack album. Uh, do you have the ability to look that up right now, or should I drop it into Discord? How can I make sure that you see this? Yeah, why don't you drop it in the Discord? Uh, okay, because I need you to see how tight this album art is. This album art is what this movie should have been. All right, hang on. It's like sunset, real ominous looking. It's opening. One second. Oh, yes. That is awesome. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. Is I, that like, a painting, do you think? It's got to be. There's no way it's a picture. It's absolutely it a painting. Like a dope-ass picture with a bunch of filters slapped on it. It was 87. I don't, I don't think we were there. I think it's more likely a painting. It's awesome. It's extremely yeah, that's, good. That's that's incredible. Very ominous, and it it shows the right amount of restraint too. You know, I know the shark fin is like a classic symbol of uh, of things to come, but that is yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, that's probably the highlight of the movie for me is the cover art for the soundtrack album that was released commercially in 2015. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do want to speak. I think lastly to the stupidity of the script. Not necessarily in terms of dialogue, which is just sort of one note. Or rather, especially at the beginning of the movie, I found that it was trying to be really snappy and like quick and fun and give life to these characters really quick and make them feel organic and unique, but it was trying so hard that you just check out. Like that opening conversation with Ellen and uh, Sean as they're like making dinner is just like miserable <laughs> in how hard it's trying to be like snappy and cool. But um their plan at the end of the movie to kill this shark is um so ellen stole a boat and went out by herself michael kane grabs the boys they fly to the boat michael kane lands the boat in the water and the plan was for them to get out of the plane even though the plane will fill up with water when they open the doors they were going to get on the boat to help ellen and then michael kane was going to distract the shark with the plane that was the plan yeah how the fuck was that the plan, people? And then, like, Michael Caine nearly dies, and Jake nearly dies, and somehow doesn't die, even though we watch him get, like, viciously ripped apart by a shark. I don't know. I don't know really what was notable about this movie, aside from my profound disappointment with it. Yeah, yeah dude, it's just way too attached to his, its characters. I think the way you're describing the ending perfectly encapsulates that we don't even get any of these characters our main characters and like supporting characters you know we don't get them dying in a fun way like jake gets eaten and like it's kind of cool and he's like bloody and stuff and that's all right and then it turns out that he's okay like the movie doesn't no want to commit to, like... to killing people in a fun way it, it thinks that you're so into these characters that if it turns out they all made it out okay it's going to be like a really sweet emotional affecting moment and instead you see these characters that turned out okay namely jake it is absolutely ridiculous and i'm thinking how is he okay you know and i don't like to think stuff like that when i watch movies like i'm not a plot hole guy i get caught up in movies very easily and I get caught up in the ride of them, and I'm very bad at thinking logically when a movie is happening because I'm just in that world. But when something like that happens, I, I can't help but think outside of uh, the universe of the movie. And I was just doing that a lot while this movie was on because it's hard to get invested in something that isn't there, you know? And if, if just crazy stuff was happening, I could get invested in that. I don't have to get invested in the characters to be invested in a movie, but 
with this one, there's just there's nothing to sink your teeth into at all. That's a good that's a good uh, good line to end on. I think um, appropriately shark related. Yeah, I mean, I freely admit I started like doing other stuff while this movie was on. Like, I just I try to give movies like the respect of at least my attention, but I don't think that this was really there. There's a couple bright spots. I think um, I think all of Michael's fashion is pretty great. He's got like these like cut off short sleeve like sweatshirts that he'll tuck into like acid wash jeans while on a boat, which I think is fun. Um, few and far between in terms of bright spots. This was a fucking buzzkill man i did not have a good time and i think that's really all we got to say about jaws the revenge it was uh you can skip this one folks like you will be better served by whatever friday the 13th i referenced earlier or just watching regular jaws yeah yeah and if you're dying for it dude like look at the soundtrack album the cover of it yes and watch like the, the the clips on youtube you know how they post like Every movie has like eight HD clips by that one YouTube channel. That's yeah. just like the, the most important scenes. Like you could check that out and you, and you'll get a vibe for it and you'll probably see all you want to see. Honestly, you know. look at the and album that, art and then just sit in your room in the dark and just imagine a movie. Just make a movie up because imagination is a powerful thing. It will be better than Jaws the Revenge. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Create everybody. Yeah. Feel good about your body and create shark movies. And don't create for the sake of money because then you might end up with Jaws the Revenge. Create just because it's fun and see where your mind takes you. Yeah, productive labor is not a value by, is not a variable by which to quantify your value. And capitalism broke all our brains by teaching us that it was. So, um, fuck capitalism, imagine shark movies. And I think with that, uh, we are going to, uh, call it for this episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another all one word on anchor spotify apple and google podcasts breaker and stitcher and all those other places they made another one you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and the made-up shark movie plot that you imagined in your head Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price, which is M-R-C-O-R-E-Y Price. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode of They Made Another One. And, um, well, can't say that wasn't a movie.